Welcome to The Get Together. It's our show about ordinary people building extraordinary communities. I'm your host, Bailey Richardson. I'm a partner at People and Company and a co-author of Get Together, How to Build a Community with Your People. And I'm Kevin Huynh, Bailey's business partner and friend at People and Company, where we advise (laughs) organizations on how to cultivate meaningful communities. Absolutely. You're my friend, Kevin. In each episode, we interview everyday people who have built extraordinary communities about just how they did it. How did they get the first people to show up? How did they grow to hundreds, thousands more members? Today, we're talking to Nate Nichols and Steffi Berenger, two of the founders of the Allyship and Action Summits that took the advertising community by storm these past few months. In the wake of George Floyd's murder, the Allyship and Action Summit emerged as a source of information on allyship, providing tangible next steps on anti-racism in Adland. The summit and supporting Slack groups and workshops connect allies to Black creatives and allies to other allies to learn and continue the conversation. Kev, question for you. You're a big fan of Nate and Steffi's. Why were you so stoked to bring them on the podcast? Yeah, so I've been friends with Nate for you know seven or eight years now. I feel like our early careers just kind of continue to grow in parallel. And I met Steffi after they first met and are now life and business partners. So baseline excitement, just always a pleasure getting to interview friends. In particular, though, I've just been so impressed and inspired by these two this year. You know, the origin story of Allyship in Action, as well as Freelancer Cyber Summit, which is sort of the event series it falls under, comes from a place of struggle. You know, They run an agency called Palette Group. They lost business when the pandemic hit. And I witnessed them flip that challenge into an opportunity. You know, if if they were thinking, if we have to navigate this like tough time for our business, others in the advertising industry probably do too. You know, let's organize them. Let's organize the freelancers and creatives and have a conversation of like, how the F are we going to get through this? Um, and then after the murder of George Floyd, they stepped up again, seeing the need for a community within their industry that's promoting facilitating and pushing conversation related to anti-racism. They've just met uncertainty with community building multiple times. You know, they've addressed uncertainty with organizing people to provide guidance to each other. Um, And so I I just really appreciate them. I love them. um, And so glad that we were able to uh, talk a bit about their stories today. I know you, Kevin, well enough to know that you have a crush on action and people who take action. <laughs> it's like action yes. over talking, so so hardcore in your preference list. <laughs> and I think that's that's one thing that we both love about them is they just make stuff happen. And you'll hear more about that on the podcast today. Should we jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Nate and Steffi, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here and finally get to talk to you about the Allyship and Action Summit that y'all have been working on hard for the last few months. I want to kick off with the question, Kevin, I love to ask everyone who comes on the podcast. We like to say that you can't fake the funk when you're organizing a community, when you're getting a group of people together. You personally have to care about that community's purpose and mission yourself. So I'd love for you to just share what drove you both to this point where you were getting together an allyship and action summit. What part of your background, what part of your personal experiences led you to this point? That's a great question. I think looking back of how 2020 started, um, you know, we were full of um, 
motivation and like had our plans down how 2020 should look like for us on a professional level, but also personal level. And in March, COVID swapped over to New York. We found ourselves in, you know, the situation like so many others that all of our projects were put on hold, on ice, got canceled or postponed. And we didn't know what to do. And we're super into our strategic phase where I'm like, okay, let's see how we can still be of service. And we started thinking with, why don't we do a virtual event that brings together the freelancer community that we are part of because we work with a lot of freelancers. I've been freelancing the past two years and we started doing the, created the Freelancer Cyber Summit, which is basically a continuous series of virtual events to bring the creative people together with the advertising industry and to talk about that situation where we all found ourselves in of like, what the fuck is going on? and um, what is this pandemic and, and uh, what does opportunities and the challenges look like right now and in a couple months? And so we, we gathered people from agencies and brands from the advertising industry together and had a conversation, uh, very real and honest. And obviously no one had the answers, but just the exchange of what everyone was feeling and going through just helped a lot to go the next step and feel more confident that you're not the only person in this and it's a shared struggle. That first summit was in March and we continued the series once a month. You know, in June, everything was different. I remember Nate and I, we were actually celebrating his birthday on May 25th, which was also when... Happy birthday, Nate. Happy (laughs) B-Day. Yeah, but we decided to, you know, celebrate a day early because it was the holiday, Memorial Day. And that was, you know, kind of crazy because it was also the day when George Floyd died. And it was a very surreal and heavy time. And with the upcoming Freelancer Cyber Summit that we wanted to host in June, we couldn't think about anything else and immediately decided to do something different. It was kind of like the universe calling like-minded people, amazing, you know, allies actually um, reached out to us a day after and said what we wanted to create an event and talk about this revolution that all of a sudden popped off. So we had a handful of amazing people on the line and we all decided to using our platform that we started in March continuously you know, grew and scaled to a point where we had around, I think around 700 people joining us wow. to use that platform and transform it into a new platform, which is now Allyship in Action, and to have a conversation about the systemic racism in our industry. And that's when Allyship in Action was born, and we hosted that first event on June 18th. That we had 2,500 registered uh, within a week, and like 2,000 wow. people showed up, which is really awesome. 
Yeah, you guys absolutely served a very clear and urgent need. You adjusted to show up for that. I, I think the name is really powerful. I was curious, what's behind the words allyship and action? How did you decide on those those two names to describe the summit? The word allyship is a funny word for per, a, a Black person, right? Because basically you're trying to state if you're like a self-proclaimed anything, you're stating that you're stepping into, um, you know, identity, a specific identity. And as a black person, you're walking around with zero allies in the world because your suffering and your pain and sadness is something you, you walk with every single day and no one cares. Everyone looks past it. And, um, you're constantly just getting passed up professionally by colleagues who can't see you and uh, are getting promotions while you take a back seat. You know, as an agency owner and operator, it's like I don't see as much deal flow as uh, other white agency owners and operators. And it's it's just clear as day. You could see it through the award ceremonies. You could see, you see it through the top list of whatever the thirty under thirties, whatever those lists are. That the majority of these. You know, no more 30 under 30. Right? Sorry, make it stop. Right. But, you know, you could just see how, you know, media and how people just prop up and lionize, you know, people that aren't black or people of color and they just lionize white people. And so when the word ally specifically to me, it does not absolve you from being a part of the problem. All you're doing when you state that is you are taking the next word into consideration, which is action. You are claiming that you are being productive with your allyship. You are existing and you are being in, in a productive space every single day. And what that looks like is sacrificing things, you know, sacrificing your time, sacrificing your emotional um space, sacrificing whatever you're reading to read about, you know, colonization of black spaces in black culture and black land and black community and people of color spaces and places and, and et cetera. Like you just, you're just doing what you need to do to learn and become educated and understand the systems that have been oppressing and suppressing people of color and black people. And so the idea of allyship in action is really just something that people can feel like they are a part of a community where they don't feel alone in their discomfort of reconditioning themselves, trying to figure out how they're going to support and prop up people who were oppressed and discriminated against for centuries and for years, personally and professionally. Yeah. And I think if I can add on to this as, you know, a white woman allyship is really, like nature said, it's, it's about that we all need to implicate ourselves as part of the problem. So we can all be implicated as part of the solution. So how can I, you know, as a white woman be an ally for, you know, black women, for example, and it's, um, this revolution, you know, we really wanted to go beyond these like black square posts on Instagram and all the statements. And it has this part of accountability to it where we wanted to, again, bring these people 
you know, virtually on stage and really asked them, okay, so you posted um, you're supporting Black Lives Matters, but what are the actual um, steps that you're taking? And what is that type of allyship that you're foreseeing for yourself and your organization? And so we all kind of brainstormed about different names, but what really, what really it came down to how, what's the role, what's your individual role in this revolution? How can you be an ally and, you know, go beyond just words? What are the actionable uh, steps that you can take? I'm not, I'm not really one for uh, war and battle analogies, but, you know, what you're saying makes me think about how oftentimes it, when the word ally has been used, it doesn't mean that the ally has always been, you know, supportive of your cause. You know, that these oftentimes it sometimes is reaching to people who have been either not so involved in supporting before or have even been um, uh, part of the problem or part of the enemy in a way. And that uh, allyship is like an active stance and it's um, and it, it often requires sort of shifting one's position or perspective to one that is more so supportive of a certain people and what they care about. You'd bring in a battle analogy like that. War is like sacrifice. You know, you're 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 risking your life. You know, there's two options. There's you defeat the enemy in the opposition, or you die. You know, that's a huge sacrifice. It's it's binary yeah. AF. You know, and that's what true allyship should be. It's like you're just committed, and that's it. <laughs> like period. You know, like what yep. are you going to be sacrificing to be committed? Period. One thing that I've found really compelling about the work that y'all are doing is the the focus on the group of people. Um, one thing we talk about with starting up a community is how it's it's powerful to be very specific about who you want to bring together. It needs to pass this test where someone can raise their hand and be like, oh, yeah, I am that. I am an advertising professional. So, so much so that sort of like the language speaks to them. And I know that Allyship in Action is centered on bringing together uh, people within and around the advertising industry. Could you... You know, for folks that aren't as familiar with advertising, and Nate, you, you uh, alluded a bit to this, but can you share more around, you know, what are these challenges facing the industry? Like, why does advertising specifically need an allyship and action summit? What are some of those nuances of what is going on within advertising? That's a great question. And, you know, we find ourselves in meetings at times with our clients and, to have requests is our job to service the brand, the client, and our specific capacity is like production. So it's either experiences or video, film, photo, um, design. And, you know, when you're sitting at a table talking about like a video treatment or a photo treatment, there are like subtle microaggressions or just blatant racist things being said and, and done in a way that everyone's sort of passive about. And a very clear example is you're sitting at a table and you're talking about casting and your clients like, we want to cast white people. Like we don't want to cast anybody. We want to cast this type of person. It's very clear that they're not open to a diverse set of casting options or someone on set has a certain look and they're like, Hey, could you put that person in the background? And you're like, well, it doesn't, this is a person. It doesn't matter where they are. You know, this is a wedding scene. Like all 
people at weddings. <laughs> like it shouldn't matter what they look like and where they're placed on set, you know, if they're extra or not, you know? And so there are just these blatant disregards of humanity in advertising that happen a lot in as appropriation. So you have people writing copy of and telling stories and advertising that have no idea about, you know, an experience, a life experience. For example, you'll have a man writing a copy for, you know, some, um, some drink that is, uh, made for pregnant women. It's like, why is a man writing copy for women at all, period, let alone a pregnant woman. And that happens all the time where someone who has no idea about a life experience is creating and contextualizing a message and crafting a message and uh, positioning a creative for a community that have zero context of, they have no experience existing in that life um, experience. And so that's just wrong, right? Just wrong. And so in our industry, it just happens every day. Um, and on top of that, there's just a lack of black people and people of color and executive levels, not just in our industry, but in every industry. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the time in specific industries and in, in, in categories for on the brand side, you have like brands like footwear, like Nike or a uh, foot locker where foot locker is actually very, very, very rich and diverse. There's a lot of black people and people of color that work for foot locker and the main consumer for a footwear brand is mostly black people, people of color. They make footwear a billion dollar industry. And so you have these big businesses being operated and, and, and built and propped up by white people who don't have any idea how the life experience and the culture exists around footwear. And so that's the challenge that we're dealing with. And that's why allyship in action exists for the time being in advertising. I've never worked as much in production or creative as, as you guys have done a lot of like pixel pushing kind of work. And it sounds like really like the advertising entertainment industries are the tip of the spear for the stories we tell about who our heroes are or who gets to play what role in this society. So it's a very like sharp point for a lot of these tensions and a lot of the systemic racism that shows up. I, I want to ask you a question about, uh, Steffi, you, you mentioned this. You had so many people register and tune in, like over 2,000 people. Mm -hmm. And one thing that struck me is that a lot of these folks might have been lone wolves in their agencies, at their companies. What, what was your thinking about how you might be able to get a signal out to those folks about the summit? How did you howl at the wolves? Is that, is that <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. We're super blessed and grateful that we have such awesome partners working um, alongside of us. You know, organizations like the One Club or Working Not Working or Picture, like um, those organizations, and they have platforms, you know, uh, with a huge reach uh, internationally with to all the creative people around the world. And they've been with us from the early start, from the very first uh, virtual summit that we hosted. And so with, you know, that kind of support, we were able to build a solid foundation um, to, you know, uh, make room and space for these types of conversations um, and reach so many people. and. What 
it really struck us too. Like we've, we had no expectations. <laughs> um, after the first allyship in action, we were flooded with such um, like amazing, powerful, meaningful feedback, comments, tweets of people that are looking uh, for this kind, you know, this type of support. And it was, you know, obvious that this was much needed and that we need more of this in the future. And so what we did was um, in the beginning, we founded groups on Facebook and LinkedIn to stay in touch and stay connected. Even, you know, after a virtual summit, we also founded a Slack channel. That's when the true magic really happened because these people joined the Slack channel and it grew every, every, like every day. Now we have like around 300 people in the Slack channel. And like you said, they're all are sort of like lone wolves in their own organizations and agencies and brands and trying to bring the conversation inside, like have the leadership team, their own team come uh, uh, to the table and discuss kind of, you know, this conversation, the, the challenges about diversity and equity in our system and drive that forward. And with the Slack channel, it was so humbling to see how these people founded their own groups and founded initiatives and, you know, programs that they individually wanted to work on. That was really something that we've never really saw coming and um, but are super grateful. And we are definitely looking forward to continue grow with everyone. I want to talk about the Slack group and the community element. I also want to maybe ask a little bit more about how you've communicated about the summit. I think one thing that struck me is the graphics and the imagery are so, so unique mm-hmm. and so striking. And also, um, Nate in particular, you've been so personal and, and so honest in your communication throughout this time. And I think it's, um, really made me think about how maybe a a big agency or a big organization or a big brand, you know, they kind of polish and and review and review and water down a lot of things that they do in the space. There's so many people sort of uh, reviewing and editing and editing and changing that they don't end up saying very much in the end. And I think I've been really struck by how personal and like honest all the conversations are, and also how you guys have presented what the summit is, both visually and and in language. How have you felt being coming such a public, like sort of leader in the space, and and being so communicative with a general world? You know, when Steffi and I originally thought of the Freelancer Cyber Summit, and I was bopping around art direction ideas in my head, you know. The whole corona and pandemic and quarantine experience just felt very surreal. And honestly, this surrealism is like my one of my favorite art forms. And, you know, I have a, a designer friend, Dewey Saunders, out in LA, originally from Philly. You know, we're homies. We've worked together in the past on small projects that were fun and, and again, surreal. And he's one of my favorite artists, right? He has these collages that he does. And then, in the moment of being in the pandemic, I'm like, you know what? 
all of this feels a surreal but then b the advertising industry is just one big hodgepodge of just like layers of just shit like it's just a bunch of different people's life experiences just kind of slapped onto each other in a way that no one has been able to sort of depict or talk about and that's sort of at the core of the creative is that the industry is just a collage of just life experiences that have just been slapped together in a way that creates an environment and an ecosystem that we've all just agreed that makes sense and in reality it just doesn't you have white people you know at the helm of these advertising agencies and these brands making decisions on how consumers and people who don't have the same life experience should consume their messaging and buy a thing it's all surreal <laughs> it all just doesn't make sense and so the art direction is really a reflection of that and you know, that's sort of our brand ethos as from a palette group perspective is we're raw, we're unfiltered, we're honest. And go back a bit further, it's sort of like how I exist personally, you know, walking through the world is I like to be just this unfiltered and raw and honest person. And I sort of just am that. And when I get into a space with other humans, I just, I'm going to be myself. And the expectation for me is you're not going to alienate me and what I share and how I exist because that's just wrong. Like no one should ever alienate and make anyone feel bad about themselves and how they be our self-expressed. And my goal in showing up as my whole self and being self-expressed is that hopefully this person or persons in the same room get to be themselves as well. They get to be fully self-expressed and not feel alienated either. And we can just meet each other where we are. And so when you see me being honest and raw on social media, it's really just to, again, push up against the system and be like, yo, y'all don't have to, you know, confide to every TikTok challenge. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? Like, not for nothing, like it's the level of their self-expression. And I get why Instagram has done that. You know, I just, I just want people to realize that, you know, you could just be your whole self on these platforms and there are people that will accept you for who you are and, you know, reflect that back onto social media because quite frankly, I think we need more of that on social media. We need more of the honesty and truth. And, you know, for this moment that we're in, in the, in the, in the revolution that we're in, it's just, we need more black people to speak up and share their stories because, it's just fucked up what we've gone through. And for the first time, we're actually being seen and heard and felt, you know, and if we don't tell our story wholly and honestly, we'll never be heard and we'll never be seen. And you just need to see and feel the sadness and frustration and just be with it because your shame and your guilt weighs ounces. The weight of our generational trauma weighs tons and we need to heal whether you like it or not and true allyship is knowing that whether I like it or not, they need to heal and we need to confront that sadness and that shame and that guilt and do something about it. And so that is where I'm coming from when I speak the way I do. And when I share what I share is because, you know, I'm just tired, you know, my family's been tired for generations and the people have been tired for generations and we just ain't got time for it anymore. We just got to be, I just want to be. 
as we've researched communities, one of the things we have come to believe is that um, it believe is in the power of role models and how by role modeling and spotlighting role models, you can encourage other community members to participate and contribute um, in ways they may not have been ready to or did not think to. And I think what's humbling at the moment is that what, what we need in the revolution is more people who are further away from the trauma to act and contribute and to participate. And for you especially to step up, um, you know, if you continue to be stepping up, but especially stepping up with Steffi and bringing your team along and, and, and bringing others along in this moment, I think shines as a role model of like, you know, this is how I am contributing. As you said, as someone who, you know, feels the weight of tons. And if you feel the weight of ounces, like mm-hmm. now is your time to step up too. Um, and I think that's, that's magnetic and something that, you know, I really respect you for as, you know, as a leader and a friend. Yeah, I got to say too, this is, you know, what I love so much about Nate and admire. And um, it's just like a constant daily reminder of there's no room and space for shame. Like it's so important that we all, you know, lift various different stories and voices and that we are not afraid to tell our stories. I think if we if we learn to be publicly imperfect and to be okay with that in front of each other, I think that's really the baseline of, you know, creating more um, rawness and equality amongst each other. And um, that's really through storytelling, right? Like Nate has been an open book about his life and, you know, um, career and all the steps and that's also a way to build empathy really and that's what we all need more more than ever you guys have touched a little bit on how personal and honest the communication has been the storytelling has been the the freshness of the graphics you know both of you are professional creatives and steffi producer I want to ask, is there anything else that you're really proud of about how you designed this summit? What What's something that you would call out that you think has been a really valuable design decision? I think what we've really learned doing well is two things. One is the programming, um, putting together an agenda, um, you know, kind of looking for the people that... Um, come that we can bring together and really establish a resourceful and uh, meaningful conversation um, is one part. And the other part is the creative that, um, you know, we've put together uh, from the start of the collage, like Nate just described, to now what's like allyship in action. We um, have amazing creatives and designers helping us with building and designing these loud, colorful um, assets that really speak to the brand ethos of allyship and action. And I think that's, that's really what puts us apart of other, you know, virtual summits. I think those two parts, um, the programming and the creative has been kind of our our um yeah secret sauce if you want to if you want to take it that way (laughs) i'll add that you know 
the the virtual conference experience since pandemic and quarantine has popped off has been quite stale and not innovative. You know, they they've just been sort of like come to this virtual conference and come to this virtual thing and you like pop open your laptop and you show your face or you don't show your face and you see talking heads. And so it's very like a, a flat, very linear experience. It's not it's not very engaging and interactive in any way. And so what we did very intentionally you know, me having a director like background and uh, creative prowess around like editing and my design background. One of the key decisions we made was to develop these holding room experiences, these like long 10 minute holding periods where you're just with your screen being entertained by the screen. And the screen is setting the tone like this video, this 10 minute video is setting the tone for what you're about to jump into at our event. And I'm very intentionally doing sound design, I'm using copy, and I'm writing uh, very intentionally things that are playful or very serious. Um, I'm using colors very intentionally, and it's a very like fun, um, creative way to make the square that we all stare at all day during quarantine more fun and interactive and less of like something you've done before. It's not like watching Netflix. It's not like watching a TV show. It's somewhere in in the in the middle of this is a whole new experience because it's not pre-recorded, it's live, and I'm watching the screen, but I'm entertained by it in a way that it's telling me to do things like send a tweet. So I'm gonna send this tweet, right? And I'm gonna like use the hashtag and I'm gonna go follow you and I'm gonna think about things and wow, there's this amazing guy, James Baldwin. I never heard of him before, and I'm gonna learn. And so it's it's a it's it's like a, a multitude of these different experiences because we understand that the computer can be dull and flat during quarantine. So it's how can you innovate on the experience of a human being staring at their computer in a way that's dynamic um, and fun? Yeah, adding to that too is um, really the the emotional message that Nate puts into these videos are, uh, like you said, it's setting the tone. It's really something that we created in a way that we can speak right through this camera and this screen in front of you, but we really wanted to speak right through, like to you. You know, there's still this virtual, obviously, um, aspect to it. We can't be together, uh, social distancing, but we really wanted to create this virtual experience as close as we would be all together in the same room. So my background in production, I've, you know, produced huge conferences and summits for Google, YouTube, like a bunch of different companies and organizations. And you go through each touch point that you have with your with the consumer, right? With the client is from the way they get the invitation via email or mail to when they come on site and register and um, then dive into the immersive experience. And we took that same approach and designed the virtual experience based on these touch points and thought about, okay, how can we be as close as possible to our audience, even though we're all in our own homes on our own couch. <laughs> um, and with these videos and breaks in between, we found a way to do that. And also 
it very strategically how we design the different sessions. So you will never find a longer session than 30 minutes in our summits, just because the attention bandwidth is just short and we want to keep it short and crisp and tangible in everything that we create. And so the feedback that we received are all, you know, these videos, the the creative, um, the music, everything is just very engaging and fun. And the people just want to stay with us. Yeah. I love that you described it as a show because I felt the weight of it like that. Mm-hmm. You guys with your backgrounds, you know, you just put words to the feeling I had, which was like an emotional show. This was thoughtfully made and it was an experience. And I think for anyone who hasn't been yet, please sign up and go if you want to see what a virtual experience done with energy and thoughtfulness looks like, because it it was so striking to me that I hadn't been on any virtual shared live experience that felt anywhere near what, what the Allyship in Action Summit felt like to me. It also speaks to the group of people that you're bringing together. You know, when you talk about advertising, creative freelancers, um, not only is the, the sort of the content and the substance of what you're discussing so relevant, but you're also, you know, speaking to them in a language, in a, like a creative language that they want to converse in. I feel like it honors the group of people you're trying to bring together. Yeah, I think that language is definitely a um, key part in this too. Like we, we just always kept it super real and just honest. And, you know, we drop F-bombs. We, we just say, say it as it is. <laughs> there's no hiding. There's no pandering. It's just, you know, say it as it is. I want to get into the community side of, of the summit. What are some of the elements that you added into the summit? We talked about the Slack group. But did you think about connecting attendees with one another from the outset? Or was that something that you designed in later? Uh, and if so, how? I think it just sort of happened um, based mm-hmm. on demand. You know, they, there was just a request. And I think uh, there's this really good book called People and Company. in the book they always say that you should like you know listen to your community and serve them in the way they want to be served if they have a request you know meet it where it is and it, if it's it's at a level you know that is sustainable and they they're committed to sustaining and attributing value and energy into it build it so yeah, very quickly, I think, the first summit, everyone was like, how do we keep the conversation going? And they were like, a Slack, let's do a Slack. And some dude was like, I'm going to start a Slack. And I'm just like, cool. <laughs> and yeah, now we're trying to, I think we're, we're, we're still trying to design it in a way that's sort of self-sustainable and like the energy is consistent and, and scaling up. We wanted to bring community together to redefine the systems we have. And that takes new policies, it takes new structures, new new systems and just education. And so that's, this is a part of allyship. And so, um, yeah, we're just continuing to do that and, you know, meet them where they are and figure out how to, what they want next. And, and you just be there to support them because we're, the community is theirs. We're just there to help facilitate. I want to ask you also about the certification, which I think is a really innovative idea. What is 
the certification and why did you bring it into the summit? Why did you guys uh, introduce that to attendees? Mm. So at the end of the day, talk is still pretty cheap, right? The format that we've developed is about talking heads. Fundamentally, it's about bringing people in to sort of like, like, you know, it's still very performative in nature, <laughs> you know, and we, we know that. And I'm not going to sit here and just let that just be the end of it. You know, if, if there are systems that we can develop to reset corporate America, let's do it. Let's figure out how to create unique systems. And so the idea of the certification platform was simple. Like agencies just out of, out of nowhere, just got really defensive and we're like, Oh my God, we don't want to be racist. And started just like dumping their workforce diversity numbers into um, the internet ether and while that's great, it still doesn't showcase a clear plan. It doesn't showcase clear reality on retention. And it's not really a high-level overview of how corporate America looks in where safe space is for various communities. You know, these reports were like EEOC data, which is like, Black people, white people, Asian people. It doesn't say anything about LGBTQ plus communities. It doesn't say anything about chronically ill or disabled communities. It doesn't say anything about sexuality or gender or non-binary communities. Like it just, it just very surface level data. And that's just the government being the government. We can't trust them. So it's like, why not build something that's very clear and unbiased on getting the details and withholding privacy of the humans that work at brands, at agencies, at law firms, just in corporate America in general, and, and serve it up to the world that's transparent and public. And so the long-term vision is to build a tool where organizations, big and small, can sort of be certified by being transparent with their data and having a certain number of projects to have to staff diversely every year. You know, staffing diversely is broad because, again, there's all these different types of communities that are being discriminated against and need opportunities. And that's our goal is to make sure these communities have opportunities and these communities can see what industries and what verticals there are opportunities in. If you're chronically ill or disabled and that's your life, you need to, if you don't have any context of how you can work professionally with the level of ability you have, it's going to be challenging. And so Imagine if there was a state of equity report annually that's a beautifully designed visual report or dashboard that can showcase, you know, the communities that you are feel like you identify in, you can see where there's the most retention so that this culture is safe in the film industry or this culture is safe in the consulting industry on the business side and that your community is also being promoted right? You can see how many people of color or black people are going, are being promoted year over year in certain verticals of, of industries or certain sectors. So the vision is to be able to have data that can create transparency and accountability, but also serve the communities that were discriminated against in a way that they can make strategic and intentional decisions with their lives and their professional careers. You know, whether it's, I want to put a dent in this sector, in the banking sector, because I don't see enough of us here, or I want to go work in advertising because I can see opportunity here and there's safe space for me there. It really pretty much comes down to to really hold the advertising industry um, accountable to, you know, really commit to 
being more transparent and give them another opportunity to actually take action. We want the agencies and brands and tech startups, everyone to, you know, be proud of hiring diversely, of giving multiple perspectives and experience a platform and a voice and come together and just Hopefully, if you are A&A certified, we want you to also demand of all your partners and clients and vendors to also be A&A certified. This should become the norm and a standard in our industry that we don't have to hide it anymore and or not be open about this. You should be proud of it. So we're hoping with this certification platform, it will be some sort of like domino effect in the industry. And long-term vision is that it will also go beyond the advertising industry and really, you know, trickle down in across other industries as well. Um, so it's really about the accountability part and transparency. And like Nate was saying, um, we're working with an amazing tech team already to also, you know, make it fun and make it make it more creative and innovative to actually see this diversity data on like publicly on this website later on. We can't wait to, you know, kind of design it in a way that fits to all sizes and all types of organizations from a small boutique agency to the largest corporate company. It should be for everyone. It will be for everyone. So you have an amazing show, the actual summit. The experience of it is remarkable. You have a community now of attendees who want to, on an individual level, keep taking action, share resources, share accountability with each other. And now you have a certification program for also corporations and businesses to be accountable, to keep acting, to keep being allies through action. What's next on your guys's mind, what are you focusing on? And is there anything that you want to put out to our listeners, put out to the universe that they can help you with? A message is something I would like to send out to your listeners is that this work is thankless and there's no overnight fix. There's no switch you can just flip. And it's hard but you still have power. You have you have so much power in your everyday life to read more and educate yourself, to share your reading and your learnings with your friends, with your peers, to make friends to make friends that don't come from the community you come from or the culture you come from. And imagine what the world would be like if you just set that intention. We just made new friends. Imagine if every CEO just made a bunch of new friends and just made their way out of the same old circle jerk. This is what we need, is we need just people to see the power that they have in themselves to make a very small change that can compound over time. And yeah, I just, 
be with us on the journey and we'll keep you posted on different actions that you can take that are more, I guess, tangible, so to speak, to get the certification out there and prep for the next summit. But for the most part, it's really just a message and see yourself as powerful and having power in your journey as an ally. Yeah, I think my hope is really that we are all together um, are only responding to this, you know, very moment of crisis um, that, you know, we really allow this moment of like catalyze ourselves in a new way of being a new way of thinking and like learning and coming together and listen to each other and also building community right like we love to brainstorm we love bringing people together and um we want to continue these uh summits to providing this platform and a forum where we can all learn from each other. The final question I want to ask you is, is a personal one. Um, you guys are partners in the summit partners in work, but also life partners. And I'm curious if you're open to sharing, you know, what, what has hosting this event meant to you two personally or to your relationship? How, how has it been for you to share something like this? Wow. Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I personally, I'm so proud and grateful for our relationship um, and especially the way that we work and live together. Like we are literally 24-7 together and these virtual summits from the Freelancer Cyber Summit to Allyship in Action is actually the first project, I would say, where we both really full-time on work together. The previous projects were jumping in if there was support needed or, you know, I was doing my freelance gigs and um, helping out and or vice versa. Nate was helping me out. But the past six months, that has really been such an amazing journey. And I'm incredibly proud of what we've accomplished together. And I'm just super grateful to be Nate's partner that can be yeah, part of his journey and just like learn together, grow together. And I would have never thought that this is going to be part of our lives. Like looking back, it feels like this has always meant to be though. The work that we've put in, all the energy and everything was the reason for where we are today. And I truly believe that, you know, everything is meant for a reason. And I feel super humble to be part and to build something so profound and relevant and resourceful for hopefully a wider reach and yeah, can contribute to this conversation and revolution. So yeah, this has been a really fun ride and I look forward to much more and take every every day as a new surprise and a new blessing and um, continue doing this together. 
I was hoping you would go first. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, uh, for me, it's it's really just humbling, honestly. You know, this whole life is just a dream. You know, I'm on uh, Steffi's house. She grew up on her balcony right now reporting this podcast, and I'm looking at the Swiss Alps you know and this is my life partner this is her family's home this is where she grew up this is where she lives and so much history and life experience exists for her and you know now we have a whole future life experience to sort of design and and build here and i'm just humbled by it because i i don't know i just didn't see any of this coming my entire life i didn't have access to things and so you know i barely had growing up i've I, I didn't know what love from, you know, a woman truly was um, and how that could exist until I was in my 20s. And so to be fortunate enough to stumble into a woman like Steffi, who's been so loving and caring and graceful um, and just like a hustler, like, what the fuck? Like, she is just, <laughs> you know, like, I haven't had a business partner like her before who has stepped toe to toe where, you know, can put in the same amount of hours I put in just having fun and being like, nah, we need to push a bit further and then even <laughs> further, you know, and that, have that tenacity. I've never had a business partner like that ever, ever, let alone a life partner. You know, let alone a woman that I can admire and enjoy just because she's just so sincere and nice and kind to everyone she's with. Um, and so for me, it's just like, whoa, what, how did I end up here? You know, on the other side of that is, you know, we, we've both individually worked so hard to be the people we are and worked on ourselves that, you know, that, to Steffi's point, like there's no doubt that we should have stumbled into each other and should have been working together and should have now be designing our lives together in a way that we've always wanted to have a life as individuals, but we're doing it together. Call it faith, call it luck, call it fate, whatever you want to call it. It just is what it is. And, you Destiny. Know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just feel very fortunate and I'm just, I'm happy, you know, I'm just happy and proud of her and proud of us and that we get to figure this out together. Same. 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 <laughs> I'm excited to see what's ahead, you know. You guys have a lot of power in your relationship and, and in this focus. So I'm happy to be near what you all are doing. All right. Well, thank you both for your time. We're excited to, to see see the next summit, see what you guys are cranking on. Thank you thank so you. much, Billy. Thank you, Kevin. You, you. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. If you want to connect with the Allyship in Action Summit, you can learn more at allyshipinaction.com. Um, that's a pledge they've started for the advertising industry. You can see their events at freelancercybersummit.com. And if you want to work with Nate and Steffi, they're producing uh, rad campaigns as well as summits as part of their agency now. So check out Palette Group, P-A-L-E-T-T-E-G-R-P.com. It's like Palette Group. Palette Group. Palette Group. Thank you to our team. Thank you to Rosanna Caban for sound engineering and editing this episode. Katie O'Connell for marketing it. And Greg David for his design work. Rad. 
You can find out more about the work we do as people and company, helping organizations get clearer on who their most important communities are and how to build with those people by heading to our website, peopleand.company. It's a .company, not a .com. Also, do you want to start your own community or be a super member, a supercharged member of one you're already a part of? Our handbook is here for you. Visit gettogetherbook.com to grab your copy. It's full of stories and learnings from conversations with community leaders like this one with Nate and Steffi. And last thing, if you have the time, if your fingers are nimble, please review this podcast or click subscribe or do both. They really help the podcast get out to more people and stories like Nate and Steffi's be heard by more ears. So we appreciate it. See y'all next time. Thanks, y'all.